minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week. Yes, there are problems in the studio, but they've been sorted out. The young man who looks after me, who's about to leave, who shall remain nameless, nameless Andy, thought that I was going to use microphone too, but no, I tricked him. I used microphone one, so today we're going to trick you. This is the Capitalist Hour. No, it's the Anarchist World this week. That's right, it's the Anarchist World This Week. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Now, do you know what Anarchy is all about? Anarchos without rulers. Very simple. Simple concept. You don't need a PhD in politics. Doctorate of Philosophy in Politics to understand anarchism without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power, you share wealth. Very simple. What are the building blocks which give rulers power? Hierarchy, inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is not just to improve people's lives, but also to radically transforms society into a society which is based on direct democratic principles where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. So if you want to chop off heads, switch off. You want to become a billionaire, switch off. If you're interested in developing yourself to your fullest potential, if you're interested in working with the, your neighbours and the people you know, this is the program for you, the Anarchist World this week. All right. Sometimes I think I, I must be the most stupid person in the universe and I can see you all putting up your hands saying yes you are Joe you are the most stupid person in the universe well I'm having a little bit of trouble I'm having a bit of trouble understanding what's happening in the land down under the land of Oz the land next to the land of the long white clouds I'm having a long white cloud I'm having a bit of trouble understanding now it goes something like this now currently the two major economic issues which face Australians are one, escalating energy prices, and energy is an essential service, and two, fixed incomes, whether it's you're on social security benefits, you know, a whole host of social security benefits, or you're a wage earner. There ain't been much joy in terms of wage increases while costs have continued to balloon for people, Okay. Simple. Now, we all, we'll all accept that. doesn't matter where you are on the political 
spectrum. These are two concepts we can accept. If we didn't accept that, you wouldn't have our beloved Prime Minister, Mr Turnbull, hobnobbing with the energy chiefs, you know, telling them they should, you know, be good boys and girls. So, all right, simple. Now, in the 19th century, in the, uh, most of the, uh, in the first half of the 20th century, we had revolutionary and reformist movements across the globe. And they occurred as a direct reaction to the domination of capital in an unregulated marketplace. And what we saw was essential services like housing, food, energy, many of the things we face today being an issue for a significant number of people, while those who exercise power seem to have everything at their beck and call, including those who are they exploited. So, yeah. so the result of that revolutionary upheaval over that hundred years was to transform the state from an instrument of oppression to an instrument of oppression and benefits in terms of the introduction of the concept of a social security net to ensure that people had access to the basic necessities of life. Okay, that was the big struggle. And governments did this by, one, regulating the corporate sector and, two, by creating economic hubs which provide people with the with essential services for example electricity generation gas generation was owned by the state and it was owned by the state to provide services to people now during the last 40 years during, as I keep saying every program, obviously you can switch off now if you want to, during the privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, deregulation revolution, which has seen money defy the laws of gravity, instead of trickling down, it trickles up. Nobody, don't, anybody, don't let anybody tell you that gravity... You know, is the same all over the universe. It isn't when it comes to money, especially in a deregulated, corporatised, globalised, privatised society. So what we've seen over the last 40 years is all these institutional structures which are set up at the end of the 20th century and during the 20th century to provide basic necessities to citizens and residents being privatised. And all those regulations which were put in place to protect people have gone. So 40 years later, we've got the Prime Minister crapping on to these privately owned energy corporations about their need to look after the interests of the people. And I'm thinking to myself, what type of an idiot is this man? Is he more stupid than I am? Which I said is very hard to imagine that he could be more stupid than me. I mean, he's a very rich man, so. And I'm thinking to myself, 
I mean, what is capitalism about? Now, I saw that our friends in APRA have finally, finally, finally been prodded into holding an investigation to the culture, I like that, the culture of the Commonwealth Bank. So try to tie it, tie it all in. It's very, it's very simple. So what is the culture club? No, it's not a man. What is the culture club? What is the culture club which ties all this in together? Well, it's very simple. A corporation's mission statement is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. That is their only mission statement. They are the great white sharks of humanity. They're out there gobbling everything they can. They're the great white sharks. And if you want to protect yourself from these great white sharks, you need to consider that what has occurred over the last 40 years flies in the face of reality and rationality and thinking. Because if you are going to try to change, remove all the protections which were created through the deaths and sufferings of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, as they struggled for a more egalitarian way of life where their basic necessities were looked after, what do you expect is going to happen? It's a little bit like taking their seatbelt off in the car and flying through the window and getting a major head injury. Maybe if you had your seatbelt on, you may have had some injuries, but it wouldn't have been as severe. So what they've done is they've removed the seatbelt. They've cut a hole in the social security net, which allows people to fall through. So the solution is very simple. You create a mixed economy. That's the solution. You create a mixed economy. That's the solution. And how do you create a mixed economy? Government gets involved in the business of owning, managing essential services for the benefits of people. This isn't anything great. This isn't anything new. You know, nothing. This is this is just basic stuff. Obviously, you reap what you sow. And if you sow deregulation seeds and globalisation seeds and privatisation seeds and corporatisation seeds, you will reap increasing inequality. You will reap social dissension. You will create, recreate the very conditions which at the end of the 19th century saw the rise of a revolutionaries and, and reformist movements across the globe. Listen to the Anarchist World this week. 
on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. All right, let's move on. So obviously I've demonstrated to people how stupid I am because I've used a bit of logic. And the trouble is you don't need to use logic today. It's just all about emotions, you know. It's all about what you want to tweet out. Now, I'd just like to remind you that the West Papuan Rent Collective is still alive and well. This Saturday, there is a Rent Collective due. That's Saturday the 2nd of September from 1pm to 4pm at the West Papuan Independence Office or at the back of the office at 838 Collins Street in Docklands. You are all invited to attend. Uh, There's no cost for Rent Collective members, but if you... uh, Partake of the food, which is uh, kindly provided. There's a $5 cost to meet uh, the costs. But the important thing is that this is the fourth year that people in this country, people like you and me, have been paying their dollar a day into the rent collective and ensuring that the West Papuans have a platform by which they can organise a worldwide campaign to decolonise West Papua. Think about it. For a dollar a day, you can get up the nose of the government, the opposition, the Indonesian government, and support one of the last national liberation movements left on this planet. So it's 1pm, you go through eight, go around the back, 838 Collins Street, Docklands. There's a meeting room, a barbecue area. Well, there's no barbecue. There's food which is provided, food, tea and coffee. Turn up. There are speakers. Try before you buy, all right? Try before you buy. Meet people who are involved in the West Papua independence struggle. Meet the West Papua activists themselves. Meet members of the West Papuan Independence Rent Collective. Currently, we require about another 10 to 15 new members. Obviously, after three years, some people have moved on. Some have died. So we need new members. And this is a great way to see the office, see what they are doing, meet the activists, listen to the reports, ask questions about the current campaigns, and become part of a wider social movement. Because the whole point of providing the rent, what it does is it frees up West Papuan activists in this country to devote all their time to agitate for West Papuan independence instead of spending 90% of the time looking for money to pay the rent. So if you want to join the Rent Collective and you can't make it on the this Saturday... The first of uh, sorry, the second of September, from one pm to four pm, at eight hundred and thirty-eight Collins Street in Docklands in Melbourne. That's eight hundred and thirty-eight Collins Street in Docklands in Melbourne. You can always leave a message on oh four three nine three nine five four eight nine oh four three nine three nine five four eight nine, and I'll send you out information about how to join the rent collective. It's very simple. You just walk into a Commonwealth Bank. Yes, our favourite bank. Put in 30 bucks, you can do it anonymously every month, and hey, bingo, 
you're part of the rent, uh, West Papua Rent Collective and uh, you are, you know, the financial power behind this movement. Now, as I speak, as I, as I speak, a British swim team are currently swimming, could you imagine that, swimming, are crushing 30 hours straight across Lake Geneva, which is 69 kilometres, to deliver a petition calling for self-determination in West Papua to the United Nations. A large campaign in support of the petition has been repressed by Indonesian security forces inside West Papua, with at least one Papuan leader, Yonto Akarino, remaining in prison. So swimming for West Papua was officially launched today, today, well, there yesterday in a Swiss time, on uh, today, it's going as we speak. These people are swimming across Lake Geneva to present this petition for self-determination, which has been signed by thousands of West Papuans, thousands to the United Nations. So think about it. You want to be part of this worldwide movement? Come and join us. Have a feed. Listen to the speakers. Meet people. West Papuan uh, Rent Collective do organised by the uh, West Papuans in, in the Independence Office, 1pm this Saturday, 838 Collin Street, Docklands in Melbourne. If you can't make it, you can always give them a ring, organise an appointment, have a look at the office, speak to the people involved, join the Wren Collective. Or you can ring me directly. 0439... 395489. Okay, let's move on. Now, I'd just like to remind people, just in case you're thinking. Yes, we all think here, don't we? Just like to remind people that tonight, Wednesday night, we have our little soiree, a little dinner at Konjo Ethiopian Restaurant, starting at 6 pm, goes from about 6 to 9, 9.30 pm. At the very latest, uh, it's at 20 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Sorry, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood. You've got to remember that 3CR, the building I broadcast from for the Community Radio Network, is on one side of Smith Street, and that's Fitzroy, Melbourne, and the other side of Smith Street is Collingwood, Melbourne. So it's 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, almost directly opposite the 3CR building, which you can't miss because of all the great artwork on it. Come and join me, 6 p.m., Every Wednesday night, uh, you buy your own food and drinks. I'm not shouting. Okay, and if you've got any extra cash, you can always give it to me to uh, help to defray the costs of the anarchist world this week because there are costs in terms of broadcasting and the list goes on and on and on and on. Now, if you are interested in public interest before corporate interests, we've got a number of uh, picnics coming up in the next few months. Had a successful picnic in Rosebud in uh, Mornington Peninsula, outside Melbourne, and hopefully there'll be a group uh, formed there. Uh, they're already meeting, but hopefully the group will come out of that meeting. There's another picnic uh, uh, organised in October, and I'll give you more information about that. That will be... Uh, that picnic will be sometime in October, but it's uh, past Warrigal will be going. We may be having a lunch at uh, outside Whittlesea. That's on the outskirts of Melbourne, and I understand... There's a picnic being planned for Pasco Vale South sometime in September or October. So things are moving. So if you're listening to this interstate, you want to 
become a member of public interest before corporate interests, you know, just go to the website, pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, pipsy.net, download the application form or uh, ring me on 0439 395 489. Leave a uh, message with your details and uh, I'll post out an application form to you. If you haven't got a phone, you can't go on the net. You can always write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Now, again, I'm... As I said, I'm pretty stupid because I'm still confused. I'm very confused. But I would like to offer my congratulations to the Liberal Party president, Mr Griner. Very astute man. Very astute man. Not much of a premier when he was premier of New South Wales, but a very astute political operator. Now, I'm sure you all know about this marriage equality survey. You like that? It's not a plebiscite, it's not a referendum, so marriage equality is incorporated in the Australian Constitution. No, no, no. It's an expensive survey, you know? Expensive survey. Well, Mr Griner was quite correct when he said that this is a conservative campaign and that he has a conservative, all Liberal Party members should be supporting marriage equality because it upholds the institution of state-sanctioned marriage. Think about it. What is marriage equality? Marriage equality, at the end of the day, is you having your relationship authorised and recognised by the state. And all these religious figures that are jumping up and down about that it's against God's, you know, instructions or words or whatever, irrespective of what faith people, you know, have, it's got nothing to do with religion. It's about the state sanctioning, recognising the relationship between two people. It's got nothing to do with religion whatsoever. And it needs to, you know, and it isn't, as a lot of people think, some type of radical campaign. As Nick Griner correctly said, this is something every conservative in this country should be supporting because it bolsters the institution of marriage or state-sanctioned marriage. Because what this is what this campaign is about. I remember in the 70s, the big campaigns were to not get married, not have the state recognise or sanction your relationship. So everybody who thinks that this is some type of radical campaign that's going to change the, the universe, it's not going to change the universe. What it will do, it will give protection to same-sex couples. It is a relatively conservative campaign about getting the state to recognise their bond as it recognises heterosexual bonds and heterosexual bonds and non-heterosexual bonds are still recognised in common law, whether somebody's relationship is sanctioned or not sanctioned by the state. So I can't understand why there is this huge kerfuffle by people regarding this particular campaign. I have no idea why the religiously inclined people are taking this so personally, as if it's the end of the universe. 
I mean, people aren't asking churches to churches or mosques or synagogues or temples to accept for them to conduct these ceremonies. It's about the state sanctioning that relationship. And as Nick Griner said, nothing radical about this. Anybody who's happy to campaign so that we have marriage equality is a conservative. So I can see every liberal liberal party voter and national party voter in this country supporting uh, marriage equality. Okay, this is the anarchist world this week broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Now, we've got lots of things happening. I've got so many things happening, I've forgotten what's happening. Now, on the 6th of uh, September is the Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally outside the Victorian Parliament House. And this particular campaign is starting to gain a little bit of momentum. People are beginning to understand that it's essential that it's essential that we have access or individuals have access to basic housing. It's the same concept as we talked about energy and energy prices, housing and essential services. What's happened in Australia over the last 40 years, we've seen the provision of housing become... We've seen the provision of housing become an issue, a major issue. So, because it's become an investment. Housing has become an investment. It's become a commodity. Over 50% of houses which are sold and units which are sold every week are bought by investors who use this government's, who use the, uh, the state's investment-friendly laws to augment their income by providing rental accommodation to people who no longer have the ability to gather a deposit, let alone enter the housing market. So again, we've seen this deregulation, corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation revolution result in this, this situation where another basic essential service becomes an investment commodity. And obviously if you open up the housing market and you give people a financial incentive to invest in residential accommodation, people will take that uh, financial incentive and swamp the market and force people out of the market who don't see housing as an investment, but see housing as a way of obtaining shelter and security. So again, it's that same type of thinking, time and time again, that same type of thinking. All right. Now, we'll be launching the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee 
at midday on Wednesday the 13th of September outside, well, next to the City Square redevelopment site. It'll be a construction site, but we'll be there on the footpath. So who's Peter Norman? Why is he important? Well, those of you who are regular listeners to the program know that we've been conducting a Peter Norman commemoration gathering since 2011 in the Melbourne City Square. So who's Peter Norman? Well, in October 1968 at the Mexico Olympics, Peter Norman was the Australian 200 metres silver medalist who stood on the dais who stood on the dais at the Olympic Games while the gold medal winner and the silver medal winner, two Afro-Americans, gave the Black Power salute. So what's so great about that? Well, Peter Norman could have turned his back on what was happening. But Peter Norman said to them, I will stand by you. He wore the badge of the movement for universal human rights. And when he came back to Australia in 1968, he was ostracised, not just by the sporting establishment, which you'd expect in those days, but by the media, humiliated, ostracised, for standing up for universal human rights. And that image is one of the most iconic images of the 20th century. Now, Peter Norman died in 2009. And on the day of his funeral, on the 9th of October, the American Track and Field Association felt so strongly about the stand he had taken that they declared the 9th of October, Peter Norman Day, Universal Human Rights Day, which is celebrated all over the United States. Now, over the last 12 months, we've been negotiating with Peter Norman's children, five children, who have agreed to become patrons of the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee. And on Friday the 1st of September, there'll be a web page and a Facebook page which will go up for the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee. That's on Friday, Friday the 1st of September. And at midday on the 13th of September, we'll be publicly launching this campaign. And the campaign is very simple. It has two aims. One, for a significant interactive monument or installation to be erected in the redeveloped Melbourne City Square to highlight the universal nature of human rights. Because his statement was, I will stand by you. I will stand by you. I will stand by your struggle for universal human rights. I will stand by that struggle. I will stand with you, despite the ramifications of taking that stand. And the situation became so petty in this country that for the 2000 Olympics, where every Tom, Dick and Harry former medalist was invited officially to take part in the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, and they are all lauded, no invitation was extended to Peter Norman. 
None. No official invitation. And when the American Track and Field Association realised what had occurred, they invited Peter Norman to the Olympic Village to stay with them during the duration of the Sydney Olympics in 2000. So this Peter Norman commemoration campaign is not just about Peter Norman. Melbourne has changed. Australia has changed during the past 50 years. We have become a multiracial, multicultural society. And the stand that Norman took in October 1968, I will stand by you, is a stand that we all need to take in 2017 in an era of rising racial tensions where elements in society think that it's the other that is responsible for their situation, not that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, that small section of society that has driven the privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, deregulation agenda which has defied the laws of gravity, which has seen resources flow up, not down. Well, we've seen the few benefit at the expense of the many, not the benefit, not the many benefit from all the things that have occurred in the society. So this Peter Norman Commemoration Committee and this struggle to get a significant interactive monument in the redeveloped Melbourne City Square and to celebrate the 9th of October as Universal Human Rights Day is an exceptionally important struggle. So I invite you, all our listeners, come along to the launch. Come along, make up the numbers. Come along on the 9th of October. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. And why do we take so much interest Why do we take so much interest in history, our history? Because it's our history which points us in the direction we need to go. And if we don't remember our history, as we've seen during the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution, that we will repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. And history is a powerful organising force. For example, everybody's talking about changing a few plaques in Sydney. How about the 14-year struggle that resulted in the creation of the Tanaminawai Morbohina Monument here in Melbourne at the corner of Franklin and Victoria Street? a monument to Indigenous freedom fighters who paid the ultimate price, public execution. History is what teaches us how we should act. History is what shows us, points out to us that light on the hill. Listen to the Anarchist World this week courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Yep, as I said before, lots of things. And those of you interested in history, on the Saturday the 9th 
of September. We'll be meeting at the old Ballarat Cemetery to look at the old Eureka graves, talk about the Eureka Rebellion, and then at about 12.30 we'll be moving to uh, Trades Hall, the second oldest Trades Hall in the world. That's Trades Hall in Ballarat at 24 Camp Street for a, a conversation, drinks and uh, barbecue. But 11am, hail, rain, shine, Ballarat, old Ballarat Cemetery. Join me, learn about the Eureka Rebellion. And don't forget that... On the 3rd of December, we'll be having the normal Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations. That's right, the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations. And just to remind you about the Eureka Australia Medal, the Eureka Australia Medal is given to six activists across the country, some posthumously, who have given their all to promote the ideas which are incorporated, encapsulated in the Eureka Oath. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. Nominations are open. They'll close about the 10th of November. So if you know somebody, they don't have to be a, a household name. And that's the whole purpose of the Eureka Australia Medal. It's to honour people who are ignored, ostracised, not spoken about because of the principled actions they have taken during their lives. And it can be a lifetime of small achievements, a lifetime of achievements in that struggle for equality, a lifetime where where you meet adversity, you you know, move through that adversity, step back and move forward. And it is important that people like this are recognised not just for their sake and the sake of their family, but for the sake of all of us. Because there are people in this country who have done remarkable things to change and improve people's lives. Remarkable things who will never be acknowledged by the state, who will never be acknowledged by the corporate-owned media, who will never be acknowledged by the government guild at ABC, but who will be acknowledged by us. We will acknowledge them. And we need you to tell us who they are. It doesn't matter if they're old or young, male or female, residents, citizens... Gay or straight, it doesn't matter. There are people who've done remarkable things for their communities. There are people who've done remarkable things for social change who we know nothing about. So, send in your nominations. What I need is a name, a contact address, because we need to let people know they've been awarded the Eureka Australia Medal because a lot of people like to come to Ballarat to collect it personally or send relatives or friends to collect it on their behalf. And a paragraph or two on what they've done. Don't ring me. Don't ring me about the Eureka Australia Day, Eureka Australia Medal nominations. Send them in. You can email them in to anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can, you can write it, you can post them in to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And remember that if you won't do it, 
maybe nobody else will do it and this person's efforts will never be recognised. And the recognition is not just for them and their family and friends, it's for each and every one of us to highlight the importance of activists in our community. Because if it isn't for the sacrifices that activists make to promote various issues and agitate for change, nothing will ever change. It's the activist who is the catalyst for change. I remember being involved in movements 30 or 40 years ago, you know, to move Australia Day from the 26th of January. You know, movements for legalising homosexuality. Movements for ensuring that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders had land rights. And these movements, many of these movements, continue to bubble along. But if it wasn't for those activists 30, 40, 50 years ago putting their necks on the block and agitating for change, it would not be it would not be a talking point in 2017. We would still be Australia in the 1950s and 1960s, Peter Norman's Australia. Think about it. The activist plays a pivotal role for change. The activist is the catalyst for change. Now... There must be an election coming up. You get that feeling, do you? Because I've just noticed the government's, well, the federal government's uh, strategy. Now, you realise that the Labor Party, the Alternative Liberal Party, that's the Labor Party, those radical revolutionaries in the Labor Party, the very people who've got rid of the socialisation of the means of production, distribution and exchange out of their constitution decades ago, that as far as the Turnbull-led Liberal National Party is concerned, that the Labor Party are socialists, they're socialist friends of people smugglers, that's right, who support debauchery, debauchery. They support marriage equality. (laughs) It's just extraordinary. Extraordinary listening to the 1950s rhetoric coming out of the Liberal Party as it kind of manoeuvres, manoeuvres to try to win the next election by conducting a campaign of fear that has nothing to do with day-to-day reality or policy. Obviously, they've hired one or two people from the, uh, the Gropers campaign in the United States of America to assist them in their uh, fake news-based campaign. The Alternative Liberal Party socialists, because they want to remove a little bit of negative gearing in the future for new homes. Socialists for that. (laughs) Socialists because they want to hold a Royal Commission into the banking sector. Royal Commission of the banking sector should have been held years ago. Friends of people smugglers because, you know, Mr Shorten has said, oh, it's not nice what we're doing to asylum seekers. You know, the Labor Party has finally found its conscience. Oh, it's not nice what we're doing to asylum seekers in Manus Island and Nauru. And then I see my friend Mr Dutton 
the next Prime Minister in waiting. Let's not forget that, Mr Dutton, you know, saying, well, there's, I took all the children out of detention. Then I thought, now, hold on, hold on, hold on, Pierre, hold on, Pierre. Oh, well, there are 114 children on Nauru who are asylum seekers' children, aren't there? Yeah, but it's not a detention centre anymore, all right? It's not a detention centre. We've opened the gates. Extraordinary. Extraordinary backflipping. And then he says, well, we've got to force these 400 people back that have come for medical treatment. Well, if he's so sure of the law, why doesn't he just, uh, you know, fight the case in the courts? Well, he's been, obviously he's given, been given advice that he'd lose in the courts. But extraordinary, isn't it? Socialists, friends of people smugglers, because the ALP, the Alternative Liberal Party, has said that, oh, well, what's happening to asylum seekers isn't nice, and socialists because they want to get a, get rid of a little bit of negative gearing, not the whole lot, just a little bit of negative gearing and want to do something about family trusts, a little bit on family trusts, you know, and they say, you know, it's not nice. Extraordinary, isn't it? Extraordinary. What an extraordinary situation we find ourselves in. What an extraordinary situation we find ourselves in in 2017. Extraordinary. Bereft of policies. No policies. Fear campaign. Make it up as you go along. It's a little bit like this North Korean kerfuffle. You know, I don't think many people realise for the last two weeks there's been a huge military exercise which occurs every year off the coast of North Korea. Uh, maybe that had something to do with them firing that stupid missile, eh? Hmm? I don't think the North Korean regime is suicidal. Obviously, they're a nasty authoritarian regime which, uh, you know, hasn't got much time for any type of dissent. But... They're not suicidal. Just extraordinary. Extraordinary how things are blowing up for the sake of being blown up. Ah, well, something positive. On the 20th of September, I will be celebrating, and the key word is celebrating, the 40th anniversary of this program. Not the 40th anniversary of this program on the Community Radio Network. That's only about 10 or 12 years. But the 40th anniversary of the Anarchist World this week on Community Radio. Uh, this program has been broadcasting from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne, since 1977. Initially, as encounters with the third alternative, communism, anarchism, capitalism... Anarchism, the third alternative, society without rulers, a society where you devolve power and share wealth, break down hierarchy. And in 1989, when the Berlin Wall collapsed and we saw the total ideological bankruptcy of uh, communism as practised in the uh, Soviet Union and North Korea and China, we changed the name of the program to the Anarchist World this week and we've been broadcasting the Anarchist World this week since 1989. So on the 20th of September, we're having a little bit of a knees up Mother's Brown celebration and it will be occurring at, believe it or not, the Unitarian Church at 110 Grey Street in East Melbourne. Doors open at 9am. 
Live broadcasts start at 10am, from 10am to 11am, and it'll go via the Community Radio Network. After 11am, a bit of a discussion, and then lunch, which will be hosted by the West Papua Independence Movement. Lunch will be $15. If you're cash rich, you can purchase somebody else's lunch who can't afford it. So uh, come along in the day, no bookings necessary. Pop in, listen, take part, have lunch. Should finish about th- about 3 f- about 3 p.m. that afternoon. So uh, 9 to 3, 6 hours, enjoy yourself, take the day off work. 40th anniversary celebrations won't happen again. I don't believe that we'll ever get to 50 anniversary celebrations, the way things are going. But at least we can celebrate the 40th anniversary celebrations and you're all invited to come along. That's right, there'll be thousands lining up. Obviously they won't, but hopefully 30 or 40 people will turn up on the day to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the anarchist world this week. And as I said, next week, public housing campaign, the Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally, again gaining traction on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, uh, midday to 1.30pm. And why is public housing everybody's business? Eh? Let's look at that before we, we, we know we disappear today. Why is public housing everybody's business? I mean, public housing is not just the business of the 63,000 tenants who currently occupy public housing in Victoria. And it's not just the business of the 43,000 Victorians on the public waiting lists. And it's not just the business of everybody in public housing around this country and all the people on public housing waiting lists in every state and territory in this country. And it's not just the business of the homeless. It's everybody's business. And it's everybody's business for a number of very good reasons. A strong public housing sector in direct competition with a private housing sector that has been transformed in an investment bonanza for about 10% of the population who uses the country's investment-friendly taxation laws to enrich themselves. It is, it is business, it's good business, having a strong public housing sector because rents are reduced and allows people to enter the property market, the lower levels of the property markets because it results in a drop in housing prices because of a competition. Currently, there is no competition between the public and private sector. It is just steamrolled by the private sector. And it is also the business of those people who rent, because as I said before, the 30% of Australians who rent because rents would fall. And it's also the business of the 10% of Australians who own a second property who negatively gear their properties because more homelessness, more insecurity, less cohesion, more violence, more police, more jails, more problems for that 10%. So think about it. Public housing is everybody's business. All right, let's wrap up. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute, have a look at the website, see what's going on. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the Defend and Extend Public Housing page. Defend and Extend Public Housing page. See what's going on regarding that campaign. You can join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Join us now. Download the application form from pipsy.net. 
You can uh, come to all the things that we've uh, talked about. You can go to the my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Toscano for the Public. There'll be a list of all the things that are happening. Come and join me for a dinner Wednesday night, 6pm onwards, 6 to about 9pm, Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant, 20 Smith Street in Fitzroy, every Wednesday. You can, um, lots of things you can do. If you don't like what you see, why don't you click onto the net on Friday? Go to the uh, Peter Norman Commemoration Committee website and join us on the, 7th, on the 13th of September to launch this campaign to uh, uh, create a significant interactive monument in the redeveloped Melbourne's city square in, uh, in Melbourne. Okay, you've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can become my friend. I need friends. Go to the Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Toscano for the Public. Become a friend. Like the page. They tell me you need it to be liked. Maybe I'll start twittering one day and put the groper in his place. Who knows? I can't be bothered yet, but I may. You never know. I may. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, the Community Radio Network. The number once again... 0439 395 489 0439 395 489 Download the Pipsy application form pipsy.net Don't forget the 9th of, 9th of September in Ballarat The 20th of September The 13th of September The 6th of September The 30th of May It's on for young and old alike All you need is to turn up Turn up and participate Remember if you want to be a golden early or a knowledgeable youngster, you need to get involved. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of those nice people at the Community Radio Network. Listen in. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Don't forget, I need friends. Toscano for the public. Become my friend or I will cry. The Kardashians cry when they don't have friends. Why shouldn't I cry? Here we go. See you next week. Anarchist World this week. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.